Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea. Hello to you. And running the boards is Joey Dees. Hi. On today's show, we will talk Magic the Gathering and the Mox Boarding House with their Chalice event. We'll talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach about the PlayStation 5. And we will talk about what? movies with our Joker! Yay! Somewhat spectacular. spectacular! We'll probably just argue about it for about 20 minutes or so. Actually, Mostly. Probably. Usually kind of how that figures out. <laughs> and uh, Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's on our blogs, podcasts, and more! More! BJ Geek Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com app, and iTunes. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, we do have a lot to get to with this, so without any further ado, we've got two special guests in with us right now. With us today is Lila and Kevin with Card Kingdom and Mox Boarding House. I know yeah. that place. Yeah, I know. It's not like we spend a, an enormous amount of time over there uh, eating food, playing games. My cardboard addiction has been fed by the fine folks at Mox, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And our appetites as well. And last year, you guys had the inaugural event that was the Magic the Gathering Chalice event. Now, this isn't like the gauntlet, which we've had you on. Usually it happens sure. around in May and stuff, but it, this is still for a good cause. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the chalice is and uh, what the good cause is. So, um, so like you said, yes, we've had the, the gauntlet for all these years. Uh, uh, we're on our seventh year. But what we realized is that we weren't really speaking directly to our Magic the Gathering fans mm-hmm. and our really our bread and butter, the the community that we that we spend a lot of time with. So we created the chalice, and uh, it's an actual chalice from Bulgaria that we created the trophy from Bulgaria. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're pretty sure it is cursed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a oh, beautiful it be. <laughs> trophy, um, and it, and actually there are some similarities between the gauntlet and the chalice. Um, uh, we have three weeks of fundraising, and the more money that's raised in those weeks leading up to the tournament, uh, those players then earn advantages of the tournament. That's a good way to build up competition also for a good cause. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, this is only three weeks as opposed to a longer time for the gauntlet. Sure. So it's going on right now. We have the blog post up on our uh, on our Facebook page. So if people just search for BJ Shea's Geek Nation, they can throw it up on there. Uh, it's also on the Card Kingdom blog as well. And uh, lots of good stuff is going on and you've done this uh, this is the second year for this one like I said and what is the charity that you guys are going for this year so this year um, because we're we're highlighting our magic community that is national and international um, we chose a beneficiary to go along with that so serious fun children's network it's actually um, you know Newman's own uh, products. Um, oh, wow, that's cool! Right, mm-hmm. the the proceeds go to Serious Fun Children's Network. So oh, I this love was Ma a, Pa and Newman's. Fig yeah, so, so good. <laughs> it was founded by Paul Newman, and it is an incredible, incredible uh, nonprofit that provides one hundred percent of the fees for camps for seriously ill children around the world. Wow, um, and you know that can include. It's very expensive medical care and transportation. And so this is so that kids, sick kids, um, can have life experiences like everyone. 
That's amazing. I mean, yeah. that's a really good thing to do. And I mean, you everyone hears about extra life that goes on goes on with that in November. Um, and we're involved with this, but this is another way that you can help mm-hmm. that globally, um, which is absolutely fantastic. And in terms of getting in with uh, Magic the Gathering, uh, first off, I want to say congratulations to Card Kingdom for being around for twenty years. Hey, yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> it's a huge success story yeah. because Card Kingdom, man, when it comes to providing you what you need, the tool. You need to go out there and compete. They yeah. have been doing it for the longest time. It's 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 pretty wild. And you yeah. guys have been facilitating uh, Magic: The Gathering for such a long time, and this is just another part of that. And it's not just going to be any old people coming in to participate to win this chalice. It's going to be some names that are very well known in the Magic the Gathering community. Uh, give us a, a rundown of some of the names that yeah, uh, are going to be here. So uh, last year for the chalice, we had eight players. This year we decided to go uh, bigger and better. So we're, we have 16 players celebrities nice. from across the Magic multiverse that are going to be playing. Uh, we've got uh, uh, BBD, Brad Nelson, Melissa DeTora from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Uh, the professor's returning this year, Ashlyn Rose, Michelle Rapp, uh, Ryan Spain of Going Optimal, who helped create limited resources uh, way yeah. back in the day. Good yeah. friend of ours, and he's been an amazing person. Another person that is a fan favorite of mine because I've literally known him all, oh, God, 25 years now. <laughs> Chris Van Meter. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Chalice champion, Chris yes, Van Meter. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to bring that up because. Returning champ. He's the returning champ, so maybe someone will dethrone him. And also, you've got the youngest person to ever make day two at a GP. Absolutely. And that is, like, it's just like like Dana Fisher has been one of those that they've put out there, and she's been more than happy to go out to these events and kick everyone's butts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I won't play her. She is just too good at the game. Yeah. Yeah. She's smart. She's capable, she's yeah. energetic, and she's everything that we wanted would, for this. It would be that's, absolutely fantastic if she could take the it. the problem. Yeah. The Danas of the world are the problem for old guys like me that played back in the day. You realize those young minds anymore. are so good at figuring stuff out. I'm like, oh, wow, you crushed me. You know every card in my deck, and I don't even know every card in my deck. <laughs> but her excitement for this format, she reached out to us, you know, basically after last year's Chalice and was saying that she really wants to play this year. We're able to to add her in. Nice. But her excitement has been wow. infectious. She actually just today reached her first fundraising goal, so she's going to get some wild cards for the block party format that we're Very doing. Very cool. Uh, she's kicking butt. Ashlyn Rose just hit hers, and uh, the professor wow. uh, is he, he is just blown his uh, fundraising goal away. Really, uh, he has promised that he if he is the highest fundraising person, he's going to shave. His glorious locks off of his head. What? Yep. I, I don't want this to happen. <laughs> no. Nobody wants it to happen. We're asking people That's donate to anyone but the professor what, what, unless what? you want to see him shave his head. Wow. That's incredible. What, what about all the planes? I mean, he's going to destroy everything. I mean, uh, if that happens, I mean, the, the, the ruptures in the multiverse. Oh Come my on. goodness! Yeah. So he's doubled. He he has doubled the goal that you need to get all the wild cards. He's already doubled that. So wow. He's well, over eight. So yeah, maybe maybe yeah. go and help out some of the other people yep. to yep. keep his wonderful <laughs> hair. What? Things are going good to... at the community college. I'll tell you. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Area, they've been yeah. doing okay over there. Maybe he'll be able to afford a wig or something. I don't know how that's going to be going on. Um, but people will be able to find this, and uh, it'll be streaming live. Yeah. And on on uh, Sunday, 
uh, October 27th, so all in, day long. So in just about nine days or so, so it's kind of a quick turnaround on this, mm-hmm. definitely go and check it out and uh, tell us a little bit about how the block party is going to work. Yeah, so the block party is the uh, format that we designed for the Chalice last year. How it works is over the course of the fundraising period, all of our players, they're raising money, they get to draft sets from all of Magic's modern history. Uh, Once they draft a set, it's off the board. So we have actually kind of built this board where the better sets are a little later. They build their land base earlier, but they're drafting competitively against each other. So at the end of the three weeks of fundraising, they have a core set that they can choose. And then they have these three sets they've drafted. That's their card pool that they build a modern deck out of. Wow. Uh, So it really forces them to think creatively. They've got these limitations. They are drafting against each other. So they might say, oh, Ashlyn's going after Tron. Oh, oh, please steal that set. Yeah, stop doing Uh, that and get that, nip that one in the butt a lot of the times. Yeah, and and it lets us have a little bit of fun with the modern format in a different way and and let their creativity really shine and show why they're so good and why they're so good at, at bringing these communities together. And that's one of the beauties, I mean, just in Magic the Gathering in general, is the fact that you can build a deck that's catered towards what you want to try to accomplish, and uh, a lot of the times it fits people's personalities. I know that Dana, she normally plays green decks because she really loves Nyssa. She's cosplayed as Nyssa at GPs. (laughs) So you can build something, and even with limitations like that, which is part of the fun, is trying to figure out where you can go with those. Uh, This is going to be one of those ones where it'll be fun to or just watching the draft, figuring out people like, why Why would you want to go with these ones? What are you trying to accomplish with all of that? And it's also for an amazingly good cause. Uh, I just love the fact that we can take something like Magic the Gathering, which is just, I mean, it's been a game that's been around for so long, but you can just put new twists on it and you can make it so it's fun for people to watch and do good. Right. Yeah. And you know what? We've had incredible sponsors this year. Inked Gaming provided us with over 800 um, uh, dice bags that we can give as thank you gifts cool. with some other goodies. Um, so uh, donations that are $50 and above, each player gets 40 of those bags. So strategically, you might want to give to certain That's folks. That's a really that good might call on right, that. Right? Yeah, you find someone um, who might be lagging a little so, yeah. behind and so give it's, them that. <laughs> every, it's, it's been a wonderful way to add our love of the game plus, you know, doing good. It's awesome. And also up until the day of the event is going to be eBay auctions. That's true. Um, so actually, the, the eBay auctions will start one week ahead of time. So Sunday, uh, October 18th. Mm-hmm. Is that? Oh, no, excuse me, the 20th, I believe. Yep, yep, this Sunday. Um, that's right. And uh, so we'll have a whole week of showcasing um, some really cool items that uh, Watsi Wizards of mm-hmm. the Coast uh, donated for us. Uh, and then those will end on stream. Um, so we can have some. Yeah, and I got to say, they gave us some really cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, they did. I have to imagine <laughs> that they would do something like that. It's nice when it. you have <laughs> access to the vault. <laughs> Absolutely. You yeah. guys, seriously, Kevin, Lila, thank you so much for being on with us. And people can find out more information if you just search for Card Kingdom Chalice is an easy way to do it. It's very simple. I mean, with Google nowadays, but also we have it on our Facebook page. If you go, if you just search for BJJ's Geek Nation, you click on the link right there and they'll be able to get to it. And one more thing I forgot to say. So if you're local in Seattle, Bellevue area, we have a public charity tournament that's a modern 3K. Oh, okay. That is related to this. So really the chalice runs for the whole weekend. Saturday is our public modern 3K. 
awesome, awesome prizes, custom chalice uh, playmat, again, by Inked Gaming, wow. and our lapel pin that comes with every every ticket sale. 100% of the ticket sales will go to, also to our beneficiary, and so that will be added to our $40,000 goal. So if you're in town yeah. and you're a big fan of modern, this is something that you definitely need to go check yeah, out. right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exclusive. It's exciting. We have 64 uh, spots, and, um, and that will also be live streamed, too. And this will be happening at Mox Bellevue, and so it's a perfect place for you to play magic, but also get some really, really delicious food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can get all of the information at CardKingdom.com as well? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Again, thank you so much to Lila and Kevin, and check out Card Kingdom. Really, if you can attend the event uh, live and do it and going to Mox Boarding, it will be a fantastic journey for you on that, because like I said good food, you get to play magic, and you get to help out a really awesome charity. Their play space is also amazing. It really, really, yeah, really is. Buddy. And even if you just want to go check it out and see what they're doing, you can play games right in the restaurant. Just make sure you're prepared to spend a little bit of money because you're going to see a lot of things you like. Exactly. A lot of good food, a lot <laughs> yeah. of good games. Yeah, and, uh, and I know BJ has uh, had at times where he's gone over there. And, what? Uh, he's uh, saw a board game over there that maybe he played and then he uh, bought immediately. And Vicious lies. No regrets on that end, huh? Not at all. I know nothing of what you speak. Going from board games and gaming in general, we need to talk with Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net, and we've got some big, big news about video games. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net, and just one year ago, I finally hunkered down, bought a PlayStation 4 Pro so I could play Red Dead Redemption, and then all of a sudden this year, there's a major announcement from Sony... Gareth, what is it? <laughs> okay, so it's no secret that there is another console in the works. This has kind of been one of the biggest, you know, worst kept secrets, but because uh, especially since Sony themselves have been leaking a little bit stuff, the next console or the next system, as they refer to it. Mm-hmm. Well, they finally uh, recently came out and said, okay, yes, it is PlayStation 5. Yes, it's coming in November of 2020. Now, um, it doesn't look like we're going to get a PlayStation experience this year. And I understand the plan for rollout is going to be similar to what they did to the, for the PS4. There'll be kind of a web event in February where they announce it. Although, you know, now that they've kind of announced it, it might be they might pull back on this. And that would leave the door open for them to make a return to E3 in June. Oh, good call, uh, yeah. the, the original plan was that they... With the PS4, they announced it in at the web event in February. They revealed the look of it in June and the price point, and then it came out in um, November, and they used the conventions and shows between that to talk it up. And it looks like they're going to be doing a similar um, strategy, but, you know, with Sony, you never know. The interesting mm-hmm. thing is there's some really interesting little bits of nuggets of uh, information about what this thing's going to do coming out. And uh, my favorite joke was that upon hearing this, Microsoft has decided to, uh, to name their new system, the PlayStation six. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. The PlayStation six is already out here brought to you by Microsoft. Now, exactly. one of the big things has always been people. Gamers have always wanted backwards compatibility. Have there been any rumors about this happening with the PlayStation five yet? Supposedly, it was going to be backwards compatible, at least through the four and possibly further back. And now there's some 
light rumblings. Of course, nothing from Sony that they may have to walk back on this, and it it may be a bit ambitious. Um, some of the things that we do know, um, you know, it, the 4K is a given. We've mm-hmm. heard it will have an HD Blu-ray player. There are some rumors that it's going to possibly go up to 8K, um, which would be amazing. And then you hear some really interesting things, like, for example, the controller is is incredibly uh, interesting. Uh, you're familiar with the rumble effect when you, yes. you know, hit something. That's going to be customized. As they said, the rumble that you get when you hit a wall shouldn't be the same as when you get shot or if you're playing a sports game, you get tackled. So it'll be customized that way. Wow. And then one, one of the things I really got a kick out of was the triggers. You'll be able to have differential pressure on the triggers. And as they described it, pulling a trigger on an automatic weapon will not be the same as pulling a bow. You know, if you're pulling a bow, you expect some tension when you pull back the trigger. So it's going to have that. It's not just going to be, you know, one click fits all. And I thought that's That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is really cool. And I mean, one of the things that's been taking off for the PS4 recently has been the VR. I'd have to imagine that they're going to want to incorporate that as well, too. Correct. What they, we've been told is that the current PlayStation VR will work with it just fine. However, there is a new PlayStation VR uh, in the works that, uh, as of now, the rumor is it'll be one year after the PlayStation 5 debut, similar to the way the last one did. Uh, now, that's where it gets really interesting, because the rumors are higher resolution, higher frame rate, and then we're hearing that they're actually trying to make it wireless so you don't have that cord. Oh, man, that would be and, amazing. Right. And so it's like, wow, I, you know, how are you going to do that with all the lag rate and all of that? Who knows? And are you going to have like a range where you're going to have to be so close to the TV? But yeah. these guys figure it all out. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because there's still a lot of really good games coming for the PS4. I mean, we already know about The Last of Us 2 coming mm-hmm. Early next year, we got to play Predator Hunting Grounds at PAX uh, um, West. So, you know, there, there are some, and that's just a couple of them. There's still plenty of good stuff coming, Iron Man VR. So it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. And I think the real trick is going to be, um, like with a lot of consoles, how much is it going to cost? And, yeah. you know, the rumor that people keep thinking is $499 because it's a lot of really high-end, cutting-edge technology, um, you know, 8K doesn't come cheap to <laughs> put a fine line on it. If, if that is. Uh, the other thing of interest is it's going to an SSD drive versus a conventional hard drive. So that will take up less space and will run much faster. If you've ever seen one of those, yeah. about, about like a stick of RAM versus uh, a conventional hard drive. So that'll be really interesting. And then, uh, you know, from there, it's still a lot of people speculating. And I think the key also, other than price, got to have launch titles i know you know a lot of these games come out with maybe what five or six exclusives 10 exclusives 12 and let's be honest if you're a real hardcore gamer only two or three are ones you really get excited over and that's where the third party guys come in because you know the company is so busy getting the system ready and then they're going to be busy marketing it you've got to make sure your partners are all in line and of course you know, do the math. You look at when it's coming out in November. Well, I think you can bet that their exclusive oh, deal yeah. with Call of Duty is going to be, you know, optimized for the PlayStation 5. For, you know, <laughs> maps come first. Yeah, and then right, yeah. Probably, you know, and then, then from there you speculate. Is there going to be a Star Wars game or something? And, of course, 
it's going to be exclusives because that is what's going to make people jump out of the chair and go and buy the thing. Absolutely. I know that you will have all the news and rumors as we continue to get this as it develops. People can go to Skewed and Reviewed, that is SKNR.net. But if you search for social media for Skewed and Reviewed, you can find all the stuff out there. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. And before we get to uh, our discussion about the Joker, no geek sheet today because we're going to be talking a lot about this. And also, Joker. Vicky didn't go see Joker. Oh, uh, I fell asleep. Uh, not during Joker. You just no. before you were able to go to I it. I know. I had it scheduled for six o'clock. And then, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. but there are some movies that are coming out this week that we need to do a bit, a uh, bit of a rundown on. Yep, real quick, uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. This is the sequel with Angelina Jolie. With yeah. Angelina Jolie and uh, not Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett, yes, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. For some reason, I get those two interchanged. The names. Forty-five um, percent as of now on tomato reading. Uh, major, mm. no audience score as of yet. Interesting. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap. Oh, nice. Oh, that's right. Perfect for your Halloween uh, spookiness. We got to go yep. see that, Joe. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay. Another sequel. No audience score as of yet, but as of now, seventy-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Huh. For that, for what? For Zombieland. Oh, nice. Yeah, seventy-two percent <laughs> is good, man. That's yeah. really good, actually. Yeah. Wow. And another one. Um. Not, I don't know, not sequel, reboot, technically, because it's Jane Silent Bob reboot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's they're this going weekend, too. Yeah, and they're going to stop the reboot of Jay and Silent Bob, the the gritty reboot that they were going to they were gonna throw out there, mm-hmm. which kind of fits along the lines of what we're talking about here uh, in just a minute. Uh, 67% on the tomato meter, but audience score with verified ratings of 352, give it a 95%. Wow. And that's one of those ones, I mean, come on, you know what you're getting into when mm-hmm. you go to go see a Kevin Smith movie. Right. And so it's a Jay and Silent oh. Bob movie. So at this point, think of uh, uh, silly stoner humor. And I mean, that's where you're going to be getting I'm it. not going to say him because I might ruin it for some people. But if you really care, go look at the cast list because some of the people in this, I'm sitting here like, whoa, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm glad some people are in big, here. big, big names on this mm-hmm. one. Definitely. Those are def- the ones that you will want to see for sure. So many weekend. good movies to yep. see. Well, thank you, Vicky. Now, get out of here for a little bit. I know. I don't want you to ruin it for me. Bye, Vicky. Because we are going to talk Joker. Yeah. Joker. This isn't, this isn't uh, anything other than the Joaquin Phoenix gritty origin story of a villain. Maybe. Starring Zazie Beetz. Oh, yeah. Zazie Beetz was in this as well. You may remember her as Domino in the Deadpool movies. Starring she, Robert De Niro. Uh, also Robert De Niro yes. as uh, the uh, talk show host, Murray. Murray. Starring yes. Mark Marin, the podcaster. <laughs> well, there was a little bit of Mark Marin in there as the producer for Murray's uh, show. Yes. Yes. But also, yeah, the big one is this, is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, personally, I feel he acted his ass off in this. I felt that his portrayal of Arthur Fleck was nothing short of amazing. Like, he did very well with this. Yeah. The director and one of the co-screenwriters, Todd Phillips, which you may know from the Hangover movies, which a lot of people are trying to like just be like, oh, he did the Hangover movies, and he said some weird things on the internet, so he, this is not great. D- d- don't take that into account for this, because this movie was directed beautifully. The cinematography was beautiful in this movie, and I think that it... I think the cinematography in this movie actually leads a little more to the story than I think people even really are giving it at a glance. Definitely. And so it was one of those interesting aspects when watching this movie because I kept wanting to go back and go see it again 
and I just couldn't quite bring myself to go into a theater and see it for a second time. I, I assume because it's dark. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of those things, too, because there's a lot of crappy stuff going on in the world right now. Um, and so when you see a movie that has that gritty, realistic nature to it, it it's going from you know bad situations out in public to just uh, another thing in the theater and I kind of like my upbeat or at least, you know, super action intense movies. And that's why I love about the first five minutes of the movie. The scene is very dark. The Joker gets beat up. And you know from that moment that hits you with those big snares and the drums and it's Joker on yeah. full screen. You know this is not going to be a happy movie. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Uh, first impressions, BJ, or just your impressions of the movie? Uh, how did you feel about it? Yeah. It, like you guys are saying, man, this is a serious, this is a dark movie. And at the same time, man, I think I'm being played. Uh, the, you know, <laughs> by the narrator of this movie, as you've, you've you've heard a lot of people talk about that sort of unreliable narrator. Yeah, and that uh, is a film trope. Yeah, um, and I and I love that because the Joker is definitely unreliable. Uh, in all the incarnations of the Joker, he he's been unreliable in some way, shape, or form, and every actor has seemed to do it differently. Mm -hmm. But it it definitely is just like, look, this is a puzzle that's never meant to be put together, even though the puzzle says, "Put me together." That's a good point. And I mean, you can even harken back just, I mean, you know, eleven years ago with the Dark Knight and seeing Heath Ledger's version of that, because even in that, he's telling people, "Want to know how I got my scars?" And it was a different story. Every time. Yeah. And even if you go back and look back at some of the stuff of the referential material that was really used for this movie and uh, with like the killing joke, uh, even at the end of that one, he says, well, I like to kind of consider my, you know, my origin more multiple choice. So even that, even an origin story of that still has a somewhat ambiguous ending anyway. Yeah, and when you are out of your mind, uh, which of course his mom showed that she had a little bit of that, mm -hmm. uh, and he also, you know, depending on what we can believe about what happened to him, which we really can't believe. All we can know is is that I feel like we the the facts that we have is that that woman is his mother. Yes, and she had mental problems, and that's all we can imagine that from a you know hereditary standpoint, he yeah. has some yeah. of that himself and. As you watch the movie, it's just like, what is real? What is not? It's a wonderful performance. Everybody does such a great job. And there were a lot of twists and turns and surprises for me. And the end really has me wondering, you know, is the end real? You yeah. Know, yeah. And, and if it's real, is that the only real part of the movie? Uh, was there anything real? I, it's just, it's so bizarre, you know, or did we get some elements of truth as people, as you said, Rev, when when he wasn't speaking well, when he was stammering and had his laughing disorder, mm -hmm. which I never heard of before. Now I don't watch; I haven't really read every Batman Joker um, uh, story, but I've never heard of this him having a disorder. Yeah, and I mean, some of the super fans out there maybe can correct us, but I think maybe that was its own. Uh, device that was created for this. Which is cool. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can, can understand how that can alienate somebody and then, of course, would give you this sort of like, ah, so whenever he's in pain, he's laughing, which yeah. means if that's what the Joker does every time, that really his laughs are really just him in pain, 
boy, that really just has me alter every Joker experience I've had. Yeah, and uncomfortable situations he laughs a lot into, which yeah. is I, easily believable. Like, kind of, I don't want to say disability, but like reaction to uh-huh. uh, uncomfortable yeah. situations, right? Because you know there are people that stutter, there are people that you know do all kinds of things. So him having a laugh as his reaction to me made perfect sense. And I mean, if you just look at real life and uh, the the fact that they mentioned that he was abused and there was some brain damage that had happened in that. If you, I mean, just look at people who have hit their head or they've had certain migraines and suddenly they speak another language and you can't explain those. And people have tried to map the brain and it isn't a complete thing. So at this point, who's to say if this is something that could actually happen or not? One of the big things I think uh, that we have to take from it, I don't think any of us in this room believe that this is a cut and dry origin story for the Joker. And I'm kind of wondering how people can think that because a lot of the people like with the reviews and stuff are just giving it at face value. Like this is act one, act two, act three. All of them is the Joker and all of these things truly happen. And I just don't see that because there's so many cues if you watch it that would dissuade you from that opinion. I f- and, and one of the big cues for me was when he yelled at his therapist at the beginning of the movie and saying, you're not listening to me, which is, I think, pretty much the movie telling us we shouldn't be listening to him, just like the therapist. Whatever he's yeah. saying right now is really not true. Yeah, and, it's tough yep. because, I mean, she does even in that scene you're talking about, she doesn't actually ever answer his question. Yeah. Which and, is hilarious. And that was something that you mentioned, too. Whenever he's talking with that social worker... She never responds to any of his input at all. Very yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because there is no answer to these questions, Because probably because he never asked anybody these questions and in the so first place. If you look at something, and one of the problems I've also had with this, with people reviewing this, is that uh, it takes a lot from Taxi Driver, um, especially with De Niro, because De Niro was in Taxi Driver. And that was an old gritty movie with an unreliable narrator as well. Yeah. And then you look at other sh- movies. Uh, a lot of people have referenced Fight Club because they have this scene when we realize that he does not have the relationship that he has perceived with uh, his roommate Zazie Beats, uh, Sophie. Yeah. And so you see all of these things that lead up to it. And then people are ignoring the cues of even something from like a Vanilla Sky, which if you look closely at that movie and you can tell the differences of what's happening based on the color of the sky. And it's literally the title on that. Yeah. It's not as apparent in this movie, but when, and you referenced it when I was talking about how when the Joker is, uh, Arthur is uh, more uh, enunciated, when he can speak clearly, when people are paying attention to what he has to say, when people are reacting positively, when he's dancing with good flowing movements and he's actually, you know, put together, I believe all of those are figments of his distorted memory. So they may not have ever happened. They're just what he feels or what he believes has happened in his imagination. Yeah, and and, it, 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 and that's the thing. It's the, the time where he is uncomfortable whenever he's in public mm-hmm. or, or doing anything. He's never been glib, including the scene where, uh, you know, the little person and the dude that gave him the gun, that whole scene in his apartment where it ends in the dude's death. 
I don't know if that's real. And I don't think that's real either. And it's because you see all these vibrant colors. Or when he's on the subway and he gets away with all, you know, with the cops chasing him, like the colors are vibrant. Yeah. Everything is more, just more beautiful. It's like someone took an Instagram filler, uh, filter <laughs> and pumped up the yeah. saturation and the yep. warmth on it. And so those are those parts where he's fondly remembering a spot that may not have actually happened. And we said that very, very early in the movie when he's watching Murray on TV with his mother and he now visions himself in on stage. Yeah, that set the stage for it. It did. And it set it up right away that this is going to be something where yeah, what he's is reality? This. Yeah, he's imagining it. And we just give him away. We feel like he's daydreaming. We don't even realize, oh, wait, he's going to daydream the whole story to us. Yeah. And it's... I love the fan theories that people are trying to figure out on this and what is really happening. And I don't know how you guys feel about it. Do you guys think that he is the Joker and all of this stuff has happened in some sort of way? Do you feel that he's killed? he killed Murray on stage or that he's been able to do any of these things? I feel like if he's killed anybody... It hasn't been as glorious as he remembers it. Mm-hmm. Like he, I could see him maybe shooting Murray like in an alley or in a coffee shop, but like to get the worldwide attention and doing that, yeah. and Murray putting him on the show for what would be, and, and me being in broadcasting, you being all of us being in broadcasting. I just don't think they would have put him on the show in the first place. Yeah. They would have made fun of him and moved on. Exactly. Uh, so the, the, that's why I think that, yeah, he's just delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call on that, man. That's really what it is, is that he may have done stuff, but we, I think really who he is is the guy who may have shot those guys in the subway from a prone position and a position of vulnerability and mm-hmm. fear, and I just can't see him ever having the upper hand in real life. But eventually he gets there when he's when he basically starts believing his own delusions and becomes completely delusional and goes full joker. I just don't know when that happens if if and if it happens ever in this movie really. Yeah. And go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I uh oh man, it's so tough. Uh I don't know if it's the Joker's origin or if he's reading what could have been the Joker's origin out in the real world. So, for instance, he's in the Arkham Asylum envisioning himself as the Joker as this stuff is happening because he's hearing it on the radio and through all these information. Good call. And that kind of leads into my I – mean, I have that – I have a, a, a certain theory that is super out there. Like, yeah. And I, I, I can – Give it to us, brother. absolutely agree if someone says that's BS, but I'm going like with the farthest amount of range on this one is that – he is not in Gotham. Oh. He is not at Arkham. These are all figments of his imagination in terms of he knows of Batman because maybe he's watched the cartoons. Maybe he's read the comics. Maybe he spent most of his life, if not almost all of it, in an asylum and that now he has superimposed these things that he has done. And I'm thinking of these things because there are certain scenes that play out and people have finally noticed these that they are direct references to the older movies or the comic books. Uh, One of the big ones that people have noticed is that when after he's been captured by the police before the car takes out the police car, when he's leaning up against the window and looking out of that, it's very reminiscent of Heath Ledger's The Dark Knight when he was hanging Mm. outside of the cop car. Yeah. Another scene that kind of leads me towards this is the fridge scene. Now, this is a little more subtle, but 
in the, I believe it was the killing joke or one of those, uh, Joker kills Barbara Gordon and stuffs her in a fridge. Oh. And so him pulling out all the stuff in the fridge and stepping into that is a bit of an homage to that in terms of just like, hey, if I thought this up because I read this comic because I've maybe I've been given a whole bunch of Batman stuff because I love it and that's one of those things that'll calm me down or, you know, keep me from, uh, you know, acting up while being in the insane asylum. To all of it, I don't believe that anything past him killing his mother was real. Mm. Oh. And so and that's the start of the second act going into the third act. I believe the third act is all fabrication. Except for maybe the scene at the very end when he's laughing with the uh, with the, uh, the the mental health worker in the asylum, um, but even him walking out of there, I feel that that is also a figment of imagination. Just the way it kind of ends in like a Scooby Doo sort of chase. Yeah, right. So like it's one of those where the super far out there is like me thinking that he's actually like somewhere in New York. He's never been in Gotham, and he's just taking this persona because that's all he's had in pop culture references. Yeah, it's a, that's a very interesting theory because it easily could be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we and so real life is that he's just basically this dude who thinks he's a comic book character. Yeah, and I found uh, actually there's an article from Esquire that came out r- fairly recently, and uh, we've got basically what Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Todd Phillips think about all of the fan theories. Uh, the first one that they threw out there that Joker isn't actually about the Joker at all, and that Fleck isn't the Joker of Batman lore, and and all that Phillips said to the LA Times was maybe Joaquin's character inspired the Joker. You don't really know. His last line of the movie is, you wouldn't get it. There's a lot going on there that's interesting. So I think Todd really wanted to have something a little bit more pervasive than just a cut and dry origin story. And as I'm online right now, it says here, at least uh, I looked it up, I looked Arthur Fleck Comics. Says here, Arthur Fleck isn't in the Batman comics because Joker isn't a comic book movie. Uh, Which I agree to. I know some people are like, well, it says DC. And I'm like, this isn't a comic book movie. It's not a comic book and origin. That's right. Jack Napier is his name because they introduced that. They, that. That was his name in the Tim Burton first Batman movie, Jack Napier. That's right. So... This is interesting that he's Arthur Fleck, which really does support your idea, Rev. That's what I love about this movie, too, is that they give you the whole Batman backstory just by telling you it's a Joker movie. Mm -hmm. And then they ask you the question is, could you believe this is just a movie in any kind of normal situation, any fantasy movie, right? They're like, hey, do you believe that this guy could, could become a villain? I mean, you know just a little bit, right? And you know that we live in a you know a, a world with superheroes because Batman ends up existing, but yeah. he's not real yet. So, do you believe that the villain was created first? Is a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the Batman lore. I think he was. I can't. You know, I. I mean, we were introduced to him obviously in Detective Comics back in the forties. Yeah. But whether or not Joker's older than Batman, that I don't know. They've made they made some changes over the years. Definitely in Tim Burton's Batman movie, they had Jack Napier be older because yeah. Joker was one that killed his parents, supposedly, and, and he was a little kid then. And that was an interesting point as well, too, because uh when you see when the clowns take over and all the rioting happens after they free him and he does the iconic with the blood on his mouth sort of uh the the real oh, Joker yeah. look, and then after that all the mayhem happens we see uh uh thomas wayne and martha wayne both be getting killed they do that iconic pearl grabbing scene where they break which has happened in so many different things including comic books including movies that how is he at no point 
Has he actually been there for that, to envision that? So I feel, again, it's going back to that lore of, sure, this is happening, but he's inserting himself into what happened, and it's not real. It's not what he did. Sure, it may have happened, but he was probably incarcerated well, well, well before any of that happened. Like, uh, I don't believe that he ever went and went to go see Bruce Wayne at Wayne Manor. I don't have that, that conversation either. because with Thomas him. Wayne has never come off that like such a jackass. that as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. We've never seen him portrayed that way. And then like him just being able to manhandle uh, uh, Alfred. Alfred, like Alfred has a long history of being like in like a badass. Yeah. And he's just going to get choked out by a, a skinny, frail dude. Yeah. Like, I just don't envision any of that stuff happening. Sure. In his brain he thought these happened yes but i don't think that anything beyond that and you talked about his real sloppy costume as he met thomas wayne yeah, in the like, bathroom like so, he totally didn't look yeah. like he belonged working so he event. totally managed to sneak past everyone because the riots are going on he was able to find a bellhop costume nobody questioned it whatsoever even though he just loosely put it over his jacket and stuff and he stood there watching what was going on and dancing and stuff and then he just saw it all happen that was reminiscent of how Heath Ledger was just sort of walking around as a nurse. Yeah. With, I mean, but still, you know, like with a Joker face, you're like, okay. Yeah, That's why right. the one theory that I really think that, for me at least, stands to be the most true is that he's just in Arkham or whatever, a mental hospital, right? Mm-hmm. The whole time. And the news clips that they play during the movie are what's happening in the real time because they play a lot of those clips. Yeah, and that's a little – it's a little more toned down version of what I've been going at and what I've been saying. But I absolutely agree with you on that end, dude. Because every scene – so uh, the the woman that he has a, a fake relationship with, if you will, yeah, right? Sophie, yeah. Makes a comment in the elevator that uh, – to her child because her child goes, yeah, mommy, it's terrible in here. And she goes, great, now everyone can hear you which is something a crazy person would say if they envision a child that they don't have. So mm. she could be in the insane asylum. His mother clearly is in the insane asylum with him. Right? Okay, yeah. So he yeah. could be in there the whole time. He's just his- imposing characters into his own storyline with that and from people be- he he knows and he's seen. Exactly. And so he gets a journal. The first thing they ask you in the movie is, I ask you to keep a journal. What are you writing about? And this whole thing that he's writing about in his journal is his fantasy of what's going on in the reality that he lives in while listening to the news wow. on the outside. And so he runs through the whole thing, right? And when you hear, I've done some bad stuff, but no one did anything to me, I assume that he did something in the asylum himself, like hurt people or something like that. And then on the outside, happened to be the same time, a clown shot three guys on the train. And so now he's envisioning himself as this, well, no one cares Hmm. about my repercussions. No one knows I exist. And then all of a sudden he feel like he exists as things kind of match up as the timelines continue. And so, yeah, to my belief is that I feel like a lot of it through like act uh, through the acts have happened. So like the first two acts, like he did shoot the guys on the subway because that was a gritty sort of thing. That was like he just managed to be able to do that. And then it's superimposed in between. So there's some things that are reality and some things are not. I feel that really what happened was in my in my mind is that he actually did kill his mother in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Like all of that happened. He did smother her, but he didn't just walk away. Like after that happened, suddenly it just cuts to him in his apartment. And then the guys who he has wanted to, you know, get vengeance on that ruined his, you know, his favorite job, the best job he's ever had, suddenly just show up to give condolences. And then he just manages to kill the dude like just as simple as that. 
Like, too cut and dry for me on that one. A little bit, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fantasy that you can tell that goes into this in every scene, almost. Yeah. Like, everything, like you said, he's not a true narrator at all. Like, every scene has some amount of lies to it, but also has some amount of truth. And it's kind of up to us as the viewer to judge what we think is honestly happening in the movie. And I mean, I think that's a really good point on that too, because it is open for interpretation. And this is why there have been so many fan theories out there and people trying to dig a little bit deeper because it's not cut and dry. And that what that's what makes a good movie. It's crazy to me that people don't appreciate the amount of social commentary that then went into this because yes. the themes are incredible. I mean, the first scene where he goes real crazy is he's handing a gun, handed a gun mm-hmm. by a, a guy that shouldn't have given him one. Exactly, and it ended up being a, a reason to get the guy fired. By the way, the whole uh, the whole when he's dancing in the children's hospital and then oh. the gun falls out. Yes. I mean, hilarious. I, yeah, yeah. I was cracking up. And yeah, it was yeah. just like, that's literally the most awkward thing that could possibly happen. But then the way kind of it handle it's handled with him on that, I don't think that that necessarily happened that way. I absolutely 100% believe it happened. But the way he just kind of kicked it and it was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. I think it went a lot more haywire than what he remembers it being. Oh, and the writing between him and the manager is hilarious. But he's like, look, man, I like you. No one else likes you. You're crazy. <laughs> but like, I got to ask you like why did you bring a gun yeah. <laughs> and then it the just hospital. starts kind of like uh, almost charlie browning at it when he's just going into his psychosis and just yeah that's why I, I even the beginning of the movie i don't believe i don't believe he chased those guys really I, yeah because again it just doesn't seem like what he would do he's like a you know he's a skinny who cares and the fact that his boss was giving him such a hard time we're led to believe the boss is an a-hole but if we are to actually realize that he's lying about everything as a narrator, that would make sense for the boss not to believe him. Not that actually that he's a bad boss. It's just like, you're making this up. And that reminds me because also. Because who, he, there's no yeah. way that this happened well, to him. And that was the thing. It's like, why would, like, it's like, oh, someone stole my sign. It's like, why would anyone steal a sign, but then goes to blame him for stealing the sign? Yeah. Like, so it's one of those things where the, the boss immediately contradicts himself in a, I mean, sure, people have done that in the past. They've always been bad middle managers or managers that have, you know, like he taken f- the side of the customer. Feels like he's frustrated with him. Absolutely. As an employee. Yeah. Yeah. And then the gun, which um, I don't exactly know what the hell really happened with that gun situation. Right. I don't really know. But he's he wants us to believe that he was given that gun to protect himself from the so-called people that would do horrible things that probably never happened at all. Right. And that's I mean, it's one of those things I I, I do enjoy this movie. Here's the problem. I already said that I couldn't even bring myself to come watch it a second time. I don't necessarily know if I'm even going to own this movie. Uh, I'm happy that I've seen it. I don't know if I need to see it again. Now, the other thing, you talked about the bright parts of the movie, Rev. Yeah. You know, it just I just had an occurrence. Oh, how oh. about this? Uh-oh. What if all of the stammering and victim-based parts of his stories aren't true? What if he's the sick guy that would kill kids and beat the hell out of them with a sign and blame it on them? What if he really did actually do all that stuff? And the only parts of the movie that actually aren't true is where it makes him look like a victim, but that never happened that way. Interesting. So it's more of like a Kaiser Soze sort of yeah, situation. Well, it's a joke- verbal kint where it's like, oh, no, I'm just too weak to be able to do this. Yeah, the Joker's insane. And what if he wow. always could speak well and never had a disorder and never had anything? But basically to us, because, again, he's the narrator telling us his story. 
you have to understand, I had a disorder and I was chased. And then the subway guys, what if he just went on the subway and said, I don't like you and shot them and they never said anything to him at all? Wow. Because if you remember, they never said anything to him. No. They, they were like with a woman. And so. Well, they did talk to him at the end and they sat next to him but and they, they were the doing it. They weren't bothering him at all. You're right. You see, huh. I, you know, I'm. Wow. We think that actually when he's the like the confident guy, because I realized when I was saying it, boy, you know, he ends, I don't know when he goes full Joker, but wait a second. Everything he did was Joker-like in his what we thought were his fantasies, but maybe the fantasies is when he's actually a victim and actually not a bad guy. All and the, that's the fantasy. Damn. I could see it too, because all the female characters in his stories end up being fake in a way, right? His mother essentially is dead or maybe not even there the whole time. And she lied to him about everything so it keeps uh, his history ambiguous The relationship, Yeah, the relationship was fake. I mean, the woman on the train that they were picking on I mean, would lead me to believe that she could also not be real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah all the, yeah, the women that aren't even there because like breaking into that apartment, she was just like, you know, she's like, what the hell, mm-hmm. you know? And e- even then... You know, is is that where we sort of get a little bit of to wait a second, Art? What are you, what, Joker? What's going on? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, what, like, where does the fantasy start? Where does it end? This movie's a trip. It is. It's really a trip, and that's kind of one of those things that is super interesting in that end, man. I just like, man. I have one more quick question. So, yep. do, do you think the Joker's alive or dead, or should I say Arthur Hunt alive or dead? Or Arthur Fleck? Fleck I um, I feel he's alive. Um, I feel like that last scene of him going out with the footsteps and blood, I feel that it's fake. I feel that he didn't get through, uh, break out into some weird, scoot, like I said, Scooby-Doo ending sort of thing. I feel that he is alive and he's just a lifer at Arkham or a mental institution to which he has been uh, yeah. stuck in. And that's and again, is he really an Arkham? Is he really the Joker? I only ask yeah. the question because the big journal entry that they always bring up is, uh, you know, I thought my life or whatever, <sighs> blah, blah, blah. I hope my death will, you know, be more. Yeah, it will make more sense, sense than my right? life. Yeah. And I mean, because if you go into a fridge, it was always those things that kids would be like, oh, yeah, don't, you know, go into the fridge. It'll lock up and you'll die. Yeah. Uh, that's a thing. There's m- multiple points where he shoots himself in the head and it clicks. Like, there's no bullet in there, but then they also show at one point where he is, he's playing with the gun when he first gets it, and he shoots it, and it goes off. Yeah. yeah. And so, God, that could turn it almost into, like, a David Lynch, Mulholland Drive sort of thing, where it's all just a snapshot of the last second of his life. And it's so crazy to think Whoa. about the ending scene That's is him death. running away with bloody shoes, which usually means that he probably murdered the psychologist or whatever when he's reading big golden doors. Right, he's running up to them. They're it's not open. Bright. It's white. Yeah, someone's chasing him, but they can't catch him. Does you know? Did he get there or not? Like that's a huge question. Oh, of, that's a really good poll. Was, wow, like, yeah. was she like a Saint Pete? You know, oh, I mean, yeah, because yeah, it was very white and bright, and it looked really odd. Damn, dude! Right, yeah. you just put out another fan theory <laughs> that is just blowing my mind. Yeah, that's amazing. More Joker, right? More Joker. Like, I mean. Maybe I'll just watch some more YouTube videos about, you know, people trying to break it down and go into it and have some more discussions. And if you guys want to give us your theories as well, I would love to hear them because I want to discuss this more. Yes. BJGeekNation at gmail.com or just hit us on the Facebook pages. And uh, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.